0: This is the Dan Grossa Show on 98.7 ESPN. This is birthday, so happy birthday to her. Talked about that earlier in the show. And wax poetic about my unparalleled gift-wrapping skills, which if you would have told me five years ago we'd be having this discussion, I never would have thought it was possible. But alas, here we are. And Everything's uh, turning up, Dan, 2026. <laughs> it is. I And I have no explanation for how we got to this point. I'm just... You know, I I guess I had it in me all these years, but I have truly become one of the great gift wrappers in Western civilization, and I'm not ashamed to admit it. Anyway, we're talking about baseball, though, the new rules, the pitch clock, and whatnot. So here's what happened in the Mets game yesterday. Max Scherzer, who's been around the block, he's going to the Hall of Fame, he's had a great career, he's trying to get acclimated to this whole thing with the pitch clock and the different rules, what you can do, what you can't do. Max Scherzer got called for a balk yesterday. Why? Well, because... He was pitching from the stretch, and Victor Robles of the Washington Nationals called for timeout. This is with a runner on first base. Called for timeout. You're allowed to do that once per at-bat in accordance with the new rules. He calls for timeout. Scherzer gets ready to throw the pitch as soon as he thought that Victor Robles was back in the box and ready to go. But they called Max Scherzer for a balk, did the home plate umpire, essentially for a quick pitch because they didn't feel that Victor Robles, the hitter, had reestablished himself in the batter's box. Now Buck Showalter came out of the dugout and everybody wanted an explanation, and this is baseball in 2023. So let's hear from Max Scherzer and what his interpretation of the balk and everything that went down in that third inning. Take a listen.
1: That one was a little confusing to to me because the umpire had time. He makes makes a gesture that, he gives a signal like you can go I go rub his eyes are up and then I get called for a quick pitch and a quick pitch box so you know you got to press the limit on what you can, can and can and can't do you know press it today you know find out what you can and can't can't do with this um so you got to press the limit to find out where where the boundary is on this
0: And Max Scherzer is going to be one of these guys that is going to employ that strategy or at least try to moving forward because he's already gone on record in saying the biggest difference to him with the pitch clock being implemented is that now, in his opinion, the pitcher is in control of the game. In the past, it was the hitter. And I could see that because, remember, we were talking about the hitter Stepping out of the batter's box every five seconds and readjusting his helmet, readjusting his batting gloves, his elbow pads, his this, his that, his necklace, his buttons, everything, and it would slow the game up for an hour. Now with this pitch clock, pitcher's on the mound, he's got the ball, that clock is ticking, it's like, hey, buddy, get in the box, or I'm throwing the pitch. Or else you're going to be the one that gets a violation. You're going to get a ball called against you, or or, or whatever the rules are now. So I can respect that, and the veteran pitchers who you know, really – have that sense of want to being in control of things, you're going to see them push the limits, I think, quite frequently. Here was the manager, Buck Showalter, about what Scherzer was trying to do on the mound and just trying to get used to the new way of life in baseball.
1: Max and a lot of veteran pitchers and pitchers in general are going to use this time to test some things and make the adjustments. You know, it's not like there's not some – everybody up here is looking for a competitive edge, hitters, pitchers, catchers, and, you know, this is a good time to be testing those things. Believe me, he'll come out of here with a really good idea about what, what is, uh, he can and can't do and what is beneficial. So I'm, I'm happy with him. All
0: right, so you have this happen yesterday. Max Scherzer, of course, a notable player. But Major League Baseball looks at it as, okay, let's use this as a teaching tool for all 30 teams. So Mark Feinsand, of course, covers baseball for MLB.com, tweeted out that MLB sent a memo to clubs last night clarifying that umpires will call a quick pitch. If the pitcher delivers the ball before the batter is, quote, reasonably set in the batter's box. Just what happened to Victor Robles, right? Timing, hitter, not his eyes, not looking up. The rule has always been on the books for player safety, and the pitch clock doesn't change that. Penalty is a ball with the bases empty and a balk with runners on base. It's something we're all going to have to get used to and get adjusted to. So we'll see. And now in spring training is the time you want to get this thing understood over the next few weeks before it all counts for real come March the 30th. Let's go to the phones. Richard Manhattan up next here on 98.7. Hello, Richard. How are you? Good, Dan. If I ask you right now, today, March 4th,
2: the Cleveland Cleveland Cavaliers offer Donovan Mitchell to the Knicks, Mitchell Robinson, Emmanuel Quigley, R.J. Barrett,
0: and four future number one draft choices. Do you make that trade today? That's a lot. That's a lot. I mean, you're, you're basically, why don't you just give them the keys so to the Square we're too? Well, how do right. we know that's not what Cleveland was asking in the beginning of the season? Well, you said Emmanuel quickly, Mitchell, Robinson, R.J. Barrett, and four number ones. I mean, eventually you have to know when to walk away, Richard. Well, that's what they did.
2: I mean, Utah gave them,
0: I think Utah gave them even more than that. There have been a, a lot of rumors with that, you know, different variations of what they I, I mean, discussing. Cleveland gave Utah that uh, that much more, a, a lot. I, I don't know, but that's, but that's
2: all I've been hearing for half a season, how we should have gotten Mitchell, how we should have gotten Donovan uh, Mitchell. How do we know he would have fit in with the guys that we have? You know, basketball is a team sport. Uh, Dan, you know, you were talking early in the show about the state of basketball. Mm-hmm. And I say basketball and football are trending on dangerous territory. I love the three-point shot. I'm an old-timer, but I love the game the way it is now. What I don't like is the emphasis on offense. You're not allowed to play defense anymore. You don't hear about defensive players. You don't hear about tight defense. You hear nobody plays defense. The basketball and football, same thing. You know, football, the overtime rule, if you ask the backup, liner, a backup lineman in the NFL, the overtime rules, you wouldn't know it. I don't know it. I don't even want to know it. I don't understand why we can't go back to sudden death football. That was the most exciting thing football ever had to offer. Every play the game could have been over. The coin flip was sudden death. But the reason they're afraid, because they know how the game has slanted so much to the offense, they can't even give the ball to the offense, let's say, uh, in overtime at the five-yard line. Right. Let's say you're starting at the. They still think right. it's unfair because the offense is going to come down and score either a field goal or a touchdown, and the other team never touches the ball. That's how that slanted the offense is in football. Same thing in basketball. So my problem with both sports and the quarterbacks. Why are we talking about a guy going to a retreat for three weeks now in a dark room because the quarterback is that important? Why are we talking about a guy that has one year that he wants 45 million a year? Because the quarterback. this is ludicrous. I'm not, I'm not faulting it, the quarterback. I'm not faulting the radio stations. This is the state of the game, and they're going to have to do something because we're trending down the wrong road. Where the quarterback, and in the NBA, offense, offense, offense. There's no defensive
0: mention anymore. Richard, Richard forget about trending, and thank you for the phone call. Forget about trending down the road. We're, we're there already.
1: All the answers are right inside me.
0: We've been there. Like, we're, we're in that dark room already, having our salads for dinner, right? Like, th- this is nothing that we're heading towards. This is this – is, we've been there. And you don't have to like it. I, I, I don't disagree with you. I am not partial to the way these sports are now played. I wish that it wasn't as wide open in the NFL as it is. I mean, the NBA, forget about it. That's why I say it all the time. I'm way more partial to the college basketball than I am the, the NBA because in college you actually still play defense. You got to work for your baskets in the NBA. It's run and gun. It's it's like an arcade game, but that's the world. That's the life and the powers that be with some of the, with these leagues, they feel that offense is what's going to sell. That's what attracts the most attention. And oh, by the way, what did we just get done talking about with baseball and the new rule changes? Why do you think in part these rule changes were implemented? I just gave you the numbers banning the shift Making the size of the bases bigger. It's, in, it's implemented to increase offense. More balls in play, more guys on bases. Get the running game going again. More runs crossing the plate. Offense, offense, offense. The NHL has become more of a wide open game over the last, you know, 15, 20 years. Because they think that's what's, you know, highlight worthy. That's what's going to get the most hits and the most clicks and the most views. That's what's going to make SportsCenter center in the top 10 and all those type of things. Omar in Brooklyn is up next here on 9870 ESPN. Omar, how we doing? Yeah. Yeah. Very quick. I just want to share something with you. Dan. Yes. And, and Omar's I... a happy guy because his Knicks have not lost a game now, basically. And it feels like a month. That's right. Uh, and, uh... So, like uh, people. Uh, first, I want to
3: answer this. Uh, yes, you can say that uh, NBA is trending towards offensively, and it's already been turned. But do you want to see Starks one for eighteen going NBA finals? Give me a break. Well. I'd rather see Julius. <laughs> uh, but a you a what, yet. Omar? See, that's, not,
0: that's, that's not. That's not. defense, though. Because if you you know he he had some good looks that night. He just wasn't making them. You know. <laughs> That that is about 75 points uh, in the
3: for one quarter. They used to score 75 points. That's pathetic. Everybody is it and listen. I love my 96, but uh, sometimes uh, they were scoring
0: 78 points in the whole game. That's that, and not only that. I mean, you think about you know the three-point shot has also been a big part of this, right? Back in the day, even the '90s. I mean, they didn't shoot a lot of threes as you, a matter I, of fact. I, I, I never asked
3: you this question: yeah. if Pat Riley would have put in for Starks, Hubert Davis, we would have won that game.
0: Maybe. I mean, it was, it was only like a five-six point game, right? If I'm not mistaken, like it was—it it wasn't a blowout game. They didn't lose by double digits.
3: Yeah, Hooper Davis is uh, your three-point specialist. He never allow it because stocks took him to that level, so he just stayed with it. Sometimes uh, you have to make the, a tough to decision. He made that, and we live with it. So Charles well, this is 1993, 30 years ago, Charles Smith memory, and now I'm gearing up. Uh, this is making me motivation, making me young again, the way the Knicks are winning games. Uh, is this going to happen the way... A buffalo dismantled me. I was about to hate sports. This Knicks had given me a new life. Is suddenly for this year and hopes to continue. But let let me tell you, yes. uh, Last night uh, after the game, I worked. I worked up to uh, 10 o'clock while I was listening to your show. Mm. And uh, now I am have my breakfast, lunch menu before I'm going to go to sleep. I'm dead tired. So I was enjoying your radio show while I was eating the corn and the cob, the fish and the fries, the banana pudding and the ice cream. And when you're watching uh, on my phone that uh, Julius Hadle shot again and again, it's so lovely. And let me you tell had you, a- Omar, you head, had a-
0: Omar, you had all that for lunch today? You had is, corn on the cob? Is,
3: this is my breakfast and lunch. This is my one-day uh, one meal because I have to work in, in the night. So this is my whole-day meal. That's what I I'm going to do okay. one time. You're combining. The whole-day okay. meal. Gotcha. So this is my whole-day meal, but I'm enjoying it to the level. It's so satisfactory when I was putting ice cream in the my mouth and watching that Julius Lentif chart. It
0: just <laughs> doesn't go better. It is so good. You know what the, You know what they should do, Omar, and I thank you for the phone call. It, what some of these, like, companies, the ice cream companies, whether it's, you know, Ben & Jerry's, Haagen-Dazs, I don't know who the hell does ice cream anymore, Breyers, who, you know, they should have, like, in the commercial, like, while you see the ice cream being scooped out, you should just have, like, in the background the highlight of Julius Randle hitting the game-winning shot against the Miami Heat. By the way, I had to look it up real quick before we hit the break. That Game 7 against the Rockets in 1994, the Knicks, as a team, as a team, took twenty threes that night. They were 4 of 20. Last night against the Miami Heat, they took 41 threes. Double. That's how much the NBA has changed. I mean, go back, you know, even the great Jordan. How many threes you think Jordan took in his day? Not many. Not many. 800-919-3776. The telephone number will close it out on the phones. Then it's Ranger pregame at 1230 with Donnie. Dan Gross's Show, 98.7 ESPN. Different kind of rapping, but it's still rapping.
1: This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network.
0: This is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN. Dan Grasso with you. A couple of more minutes, So we'll turn things over to Don. He's got the pregame for the Rangers and the Bruins. Remember, a lot of you and me time this week. Coming up at 7 o'clock, we will be right back on Monday at 7 for a full three-hour extravaganza, so we look forward to that. Right now, we look forward to Marvin in the Bronx. He is up next. You're on 98.7. What's up, Marv? How you doing?
3: Well, I'm sorry I'm late today because I had to pick, I'm picking up my grandkids and go take them and say Creed, but... As a lifetime Knicks fan, starting in 1967, I'm feeling that I'm having that game last night just um, flipped my script. But I, it's a joy to watch this team now after suffering these last five or six years. You know, I stuck in there. I don't change teams. And like I said, I go back to the first two championships. But I think this is going to be like the, season, the 99 season is going to be something special. It's all said and done.
0: Marv, you got to enjoy it. They're never out of a game. Thanks for the phone call. Go enjoy the movie with the grandkids. Um, Even when they have a big lead and they blow that lead, they're still never out of a game. They just find a way. Tomorrow's going to be tricky, like we said. You know, you're going up to Boston. You whipped them pretty good earlier this week. Now Jalen Brown is back playing, so they're going to be a little bit more whole. And the Nets, Nets didn't do the Knicks any favors last night. You know, if the Nets would have just rolled over and played dead – when they were down by 28 points and the Celtics winning a laugher, that would have helped the Knicks. But now you're going to get an angry Celtics team tomorrow because they're going to try to avenge the loss at Madison Square Garden and try to save face for blowing almost a 30-point lead to the Nets. And the Knicks are going to have to be in direct light of it. We'll see. Hey, and if somehow, some way, they're going to win that game tomorrow, woo-hoo, can you imagine what this city is going to be like on Monday? Nick's sweeping this week, nine in a row, 12 over 500, beating the Celtics twice in a week, once here, once there. Watch them come home and then lose to Charlotte on Tuesday. (laughs) Then it's going to be Panic City all over again. Oh, they're a bunch of bums. Then they go out to the West Coast. You never – look, that's what's fun about this thing. You know, in this town, each and every one of these games, they're all individually wrapped seasons – into just one game, like with baseball, I say, like you know when when you cover the Mets, you cover the Yankees, it's one hundred and sixty two one game seasons, just like with the basketball teams. It's like eighty two one game seasons when you follow the Knicks. football teams, same exact thing. anyway, we got to get out of Dodge. We got to step aside. So thank you to Ian Begley. Thank you to David Hollander. Thank you to Jordan Renan. Thanks to Joe. Thanks to Harvey. Happy birthday to my lovely wife. Going to go enjoy the rest of the day with her. Don is up next with Ranger pregame. We'll talk to you Monday at 7, everybody. So long. Bye-bye.